Heavenly Father, that is our prayer. We acknowledge, we declare that you are holy, that you are the one true righteous King. And Lord, as we are in your presence now, as we turn to your word, would you help us to not only hear what it is you have to say, Jesus, would you empower us to move in obedience in a way that's pleasing to you where we could live out that we are not just hearers, but we are doers of what it is you've called us to. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bible and turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. We'll be there in just a minute. Malachi chapter 3. And once you navigate there, I want you to pull out of the bulletin. Uh, There's a blue card in there. Pull out that blue card. I want you to have that in your hand. If you don't have a bulletin with you today, you're going to need one of these blue cards. If you just raise your hand, our ushers will get one to you. We've got some over here to my left, your right, that need that. And just keep your hand up uh, until they get one to you. So ushers, if you'll come and help me out now, we've got some up here. Very good. We'll use this here in just a few moments together. We've been in this series, Entrusted, recognizing that everything we have has been given to us by the Lord. And in this question, what will he find us doing, rooted in Jesus' story where he's telling what his kingdom would be like. And he says it's, it's like this owner, this master, who gives out bags of money to his servants and and then calls them to invest it and use it and to multiply it. And he comes back and he inspects what it is that he has given. And, and there's different results for each. We've been looking at taking an inventory. We started there uh, six weeks ago. And we looked at what all was involved in this idea of stewardship. What does it mean to be a good steward? What is involved in that? And we recognize that God is the source of everything we have. We begin to understand that he has principles. Not only did he give it to us, but he's created us, this world and everything in it, in such a way that we can live the best life possible, following his principles with what he's entrusted to us. We surrendered everything to God and said, God, we recognize it's yours, we give it back to you. And last week, we did part one of testing God's promises. You see, back when we took that inventory, we saw that that stewardship is a whole lot more than just money. We saw that stewardship is, is our heart and our body and our time and our ability and our relationships. And we talked about some action standpoints, things that we can move into obedience in last week. Actually, that's not true in this service. I sent you some take-home homework that you could look at this week. Uh, but this week, I want us to key in on the final two, stewardship of our money and stewardship of the good news of Jesus. Now, I want to give a little bit of a precursor to this message. If, if you're new here to Grace Point, there's something you haven't had an opportunity to hear me say yet, and you need to hear me say it today. I am not after your money. Grace Point is not after your money. Jesus does not need your money. This teaching that comes from God's Word is is one that we highlight because Jesus talked about money all over the place, and we're not afraid to talk about it because He has blessed us with it. But we need to understand that Jesus doesn't want something from you as much as He wants something for you. He wants to give you something that can only happen when we recognize what all's been entrusted to us. And in turn, we trust Him with everything. 
That's the first part. The second part of the precursor that I want you to start into this teaching with today is understanding that this is an intense word from the Lord in this scripture we're going to look at. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's like on the 8, 9, 10, in your face. In this season, politically, we hear all people talk about having straight talk. Here's an interview. We'll have straight talk with this candidate. We'll have straight talk with this candidate. And whatever interview I watch, I leave that interview thinking, I don't think I know anything more than I did begin with. I don't know how straight the talk was. It was just somebody's talking points and their agenda they went through. Hey, friends, God is not running for office. God is not here to try to get you to approve of him somehow. He loves you so much that he wants to tell you exactly how it is. And we need a dose of the straight talk from the Lord today. That's what we're going to dive in together. And not because he wants to take something from us, but it's more that he wants to give something to us. We've been entrusted with so much. And in this, our last week in this series... I, I'm so excited about today, not because of my preparation or anything like that. I'm excited because this was what the Lord put in my heart first. I wish he'd give me the messages in order, but he didn't do that. I've been chewing on this, sitting on this for six, seven, eight weeks, and, and the Lord told me this is what he wants us to focus on through this teaching series. And everything else leads up to this today. He's calling us, so I'm going to give you the end, okay? And we're going to get the middle later. But here's the end. The blue card you have in your hand. God is calling you and me to give and to go. He's entrusted us with so much. He says, my son, my daughter, it is time now. Obey. Give and go. You have everything in the universe that I have created. I've given it to you. Give and go. And he's waiting for us not just to talk about it, not just to sing about it, not just to study it, to do it. To move in obedience. And that blue card, that's where we're going to end today. But before we get to it, let's look at the middle of what God has for us. And to see that this isn't just some person's idea. This is God's idea for us. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 10. Here's the word of the Lord. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. The first thing that I see here that God wants us to look at, it's this reality check. It's this in-your-face straight talk that he first gave to the children of Israel, and now it's coming to us. It's this accusation that cannot be denied. Look at verse 8. The first blank you have there is the finishing of that scripture. He declares in verse 8, Will man rob God? Yet you rob me, the Lord says. God accuses his people of thievery. They were good, upstanding Worshipping people. Yet they robbed God of his tithe. 
They had the wrong perspective of their money. And to help us get at what God was saying to them and what I believe God wants to say to us today, I want you to pull out your wallet or your purse. Hold it in your hand right now. Your wallet or your purse. Whatever you deem is a wallet. Maybe a money clip. It may be a zipper pouch. Maybe a leather wallet. Wallet or purse. Pull out what you have. It may be your phone. Maybe all your stuff's on your phone. Just hold that in your hand, okay? What, what you purchased with. Hold it in your hand. And if you don't want to do this, just cross your arms and scowl at me. <laughs> I'm still telling you what to do when you're doing it. I love it. <laughs> Even if you don't want to do this, that's fine. That was, just, that was fun for me. So you're holding the wallet in your hand. You're holding a purse in your hand. Now, I want you to wave it at me. Show me that you've got it. Very good. Very good. Now, I want you to, someone to your left or your right, I want you to exchange and give them yours and you take theirs. Go ahead and do that. <laughs> this is good? This is good? Exchange? This is good? Now, we're going to have our ushers come and we're going to have the greatest offering that we have ever had in the history of the church. No, we're not going to do that. Ushers, stay where you're at. Now, you're holding that other purse, that other wallet. Don't, don't let go of it yet. This is your opportunity. Hang on to it. As you're holding that, it's interesting. To give someone else's money is not that hard to do. If you don't believe me, give me your money and I'll show you. It's really easy. You know, to spend someone else's money is not that hard to do either. From time to time, I'll have a friend, they're shopping for something, and I'll say, hey, let me come with you. I can spend your money like nothing. It's easy. Now go ahead and give it back. Go ahead and give the purse or, or wallet back to the other person. Some of you have a heart attack. We're not, there's not another offering. I'm not going to take your money. It's not anything like that. Now, before you put your wallet or purse away, you've got your own in your hand. I want you to, to look at it. You are still holding somebody else's money. And this is exactly what God was talking to the children of Israel about when he says, you rob me. God, how do we rob you? You think the resources that I've given to you is your own. You rob me of tithe and offering. You see, I believe God wants us to hear today that he is the only owner in the universe. In fact, the outline there that says that we are going to be good stewards of our money probably should scratch out our and put God's. Because it's not ours, it's his to begin with. You see, when we recognize that everything we have is God, it calls us to some action. We've talked about it, we've prayed about it, we've looked at it, but God is calling us to action today. You may not realize it, but the church statistics across North America of evangelical churches, less than 20% of regular attenders, not people who show up, regular attenders, they identify themselves as regular attenders, less than 20% tithe consistently. God's words, first to the children of Israel, I believe are applicable to us today. Are you robbing me of the tithe, God may ask. Look at verse 9 again. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Now I confess I don't know all the implications of that for us, but I know this much. I'm not willing to rob God to find out. 
Over the last 16 years of full-time ministry, I've never had one person come to me and say, Brady, I I just regret being that generous with God. I wish I wasn't that generous. If I could take it back, I wouldn't be generous like that. I've never had someone say that. But I've had time after time someone come to me and say, you know what? I I wish so much I had been gotten by this principle of generosity, this principle of stewardship, this principle of giving, of tithing so much earlier. Why did I wait so long? Why did I not start sooner? If you find yourself today in a category where the Lord is bringing a sharp point to this, no, you're not alone. If you're here today and you're not tithing, if you're not giving God the first fruits, God's indictment is clear to us just as it was to the children of Israel. We forfeit the blessing, the work that he wants to do in our life. We see that in this passage that there is a command that cannot be ignored. Look at verse 10, the first part. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, there are three questions that I often get about giving in this area, and so I want to address those today. I've talked about these before here on Sunday morning a few years back, but I believe they warrant hearing again because they're so commonly asked, and it ties right into the action steps that I believe that God wants us to move in obedience today. The first question I get often is this, who is expected to tithe? The biblical answer is everyone. God's command here is addressed to all of his people. In the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, it is to all who have placed their faith and their hope in Jesus Christ. In other words, tithing is not a Nazarene thing or a grace point thing. It is a God idea. From the smallest income to the largest, God's loving command is for every Christian. Now, we shouldn't argue, my little tithe won't make much difference. After all, I need it much more than God needs it. Friend, that's the same attitude that got Israel in trouble. Remember, God doesn't need your tithe, but you need to give it. The second question I get often is this, how much is a tithe? I mean, really, what, what, what is the action step? If I'm going to move forward and act on what God's calling me to do, how much is a tithe? I believe biblically the answer is this, the first 10% of all my earnings. Tithing is a first priority, not an afterthought. If you wait to write the tithe check, at the end of the month you will never consistently tithe because there's always something to pay for. There's always something to buy. And notice that the tithe is 10%. And some people say that they're tithing, but they're only just kind of tipping. They're giving God their leftovers. I really don't have a problem if they want to use the word tipping, God, because the last time I heard etiquette says that a tip should be 15% or more. So if you want to tithe 15%, you go right ahead. Others, when they hear a teaching on this, they say, but that's an Old Testament thing, Brady. I'm a New Covenant, New Testament Christian. That's an Old Covenant thing. That's not for me anymore. Fine. Let's look at the New Testament standard for giving that Jesus has. Go and sell everything that you have. You may not follow me if you don't give all that you have, Jesus says. Maybe I want to be an Old Testament Christian. Let's go back to that 10%. See, the heart of what Jesus is teaching here, it's not about 10% to God, 90% to us. Friend, that's not at all what Scripture says. I hate to inform you, it's not 10% to God, 90% whatever you want to do with. It's all His. He said, the first 10% I want you to bring into the storehouse. We'll talk about what that is in a minute. But, but then I want you to look how to invest the rest of your life, everything else that you have. Friend, if that's not true, we need to rewrite most of our worship. I surrender 
I surrender. 10%. 10% to thee. I No. All. God. I give you, it's not just 10%. It's all. But God knows that when we put him first and we prioritize with a small portion first, it impacts how we spend the rest of everything in our life. The third question I often get is, where do I give the tithe? God says in this passage, the storehouse. For Israel, it was the temple where they were nurtured and where they worshipped God. For us, it's in the local church that we attend, where we are nurtured, where we worship. The principle is universal. You invest where you receive. You don't pay Walmart for the groceries that you got at Kroger. You You begin to say, Lord, where is the place that you're feeding me? That's the storehouse that he's called you to give to. Friend, if God is leading you to give over and above your tithe to other ministries, to other organizations, by all means, be obedient and give. 10% is just the starting block for God telling us how to be generous with all he's given to us. I want you to know this. Every biblically-based Christian organization will have a strong understanding of this first fruit storehouse tithing. They will encourage you. If you find one that does not encourage that, they're confused about what God's word is saying. This is God's plan, not ours, to how to sustain his work. I know people that they say, well, that's not a problem. I can tithe. That's good. I just want to designate how my tithe goes. (laughs) Oh, this is going to get really good. This is going to get a lot of fun. You see, I, I... I'll write that tithe check, but let me just tell you, this is, this is where it needs to go. This is how it needs to go. I'll give you that Benjamin. This Benjamin loves hymns. Sing more hymns, more Benjamins. That's how it is. I told you it's going to be in your face. This is God's word, not mine. Hey, friend, God said, you rob me, says the Lord, of my tithe. When we give and we say, God, I want to... I want to tell you how to use it. I don't want to trust my church or the church leadership how to use it. God, I'm still hanging on to control. And what God wants to do in our life is thwarted by our attempt to still kind of control and mastermind through the giving. Amen. It's good preaching. I don't care who you are. I'll say it myself. See, the issue becomes, am I trusting God with his money or am I still auditing my money bring the whole tithe into storehouse because when we do god makes an offer that we cannot refuse look with me at verse 10 the second part test me in this says the lord almighty and see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it that's god's word you may not like it you may think it sounds strange you may think it's skeptical that's what god's word says he says test me in this just see if you can outgive me i've created everything every blessing you have it has come from me and i'm telling you how to live a generous life because i've entrusted you with all this What will he find you and me doing with what he's given to us? And he says, hey, hey, here's how to start. Start this life of generosity this way. And I will bless you beyond what you could ever imagine. No other place in Scripture do we find that God says, test me in this. But he challenges us, just taste and see how good I can be. Test me in this. 
He is so utterly convinced that when you and I obey this loving command to tithe, that you will never, ever want to live another way possible. I had a man stand right here. I didn't get permission to share his name, but he stood right here last service, and he said, Pastor Brady, it's something amazing. I I never wanted to read my Bible. I never wanted to give, but the more I begin to be obedient, I find that I want to read more. I find that I want to give more. This is weird. I I got excited when you were talking about tithing. He said, I used to get mad when I hear people talk about tithing. Friend, God was doing something in his heart, and there was a welling up of nourishment for his soul. Friends, there's some of us here today When we talk about stewardship, what's been entrusted to us, oh, we can study it, we can read it, we can categorize it, we can look at all the things that it involves, and at some point God says, when will your surrender actually become obedience? Test me in this. Step out. Try it. That's what God says. God who blesses us every single time. It's not always, I want to be clear on this, he does not say, give me $10 and I'll give you 100 That's some other kind of weird stuff. That's not God's word. His blessing is not always financial. Sometimes it is, but it's not always financial. He may bless you emotionally. He may bless you physically. He may bless you spiritually. But make no mistake, he is good for his word that he will bless you so much you cannot contain it. It's not just a little thank you note. It's not just some kind of, well, that's nice. Thanks for being a part of the kingdom work. He will overwhelm your life because the one who has given you it all sees that you are stewarding it, stewarding it well. And just like this passage that we started the series in, Jesus says, I will give you even more. I will entrust you with more of my blessings. Well, that's the first two-thirds of what I want to tell you. The second part If you think talking about money may make it feel tense, I think this next one is more of a stronghold for us than giving of money. I've never preached a message on stewardship of money and stewardship of the gospel of Jesus together, but I'm confident the Lord has that for us today. Take your Bible and turn with me. Look at this passage of Scripture. It's in your outline. The reference, I believe, will be up on the screen. Maybe even the verse. It's up here, yes. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. We're going to see how to test God's promises, and the stewardship of the good news of Jesus Christ. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. Jesus is going to call these guys to be disciples. For they were fishermen. That's why they cast the net in the lake. Verse 17. Come, follow me. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. When Jesus invited these first four guys to follow him, he made his agenda clear right up front. He didn't hide it. He didn't slip it in later. He told them right up front, follow me. I'm going to make you into something that you are not yet already. Follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Now that had to perplex them. Not just because they didn't understand what it meant, but that's not what they were signing up for. They came to Jesus because of the experience that they had with Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm going to tell you up front, follow me. I'm going to make you into something you're not yet already. I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. We would expect Jesus to say, follow me, and I'm going to make you more disciplined. Because we kind of like to be more disciplined. Follow me, and I'm going to make you smarter. He knows everything. He'd make us smart. Follow me, and I'll make you a better husband. Follow me, and I'll make you a better wife. Follow me, and I'll make you richer. All those things sound good, and the Lord does many of those things, but that's not what he says here. Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Friend, if you are a Christian, if you have a relationship with Jesus, 
If you have salvation from the Lord, you are a carrier of the Great Commission. Jesus said right before this, you have to put it like up on top, right, right up above there. All authority has been given to me. All. With great authority he speaks. Then he moves in with authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to share the good news that I have given to you. You go fish for men. Jesus says, if you're a follower of me, you'll be a fisher of men. See, God is calling us to move beyond our self-seeking motives and redirect our focus on reaching others for Christ. For some of us, we get so landlocked in the idea of what we want, how we want it, when we want it, where we want it, we miss that God says, hey, I want to bless you, but it's not for you. Get your eyes off yourself. You have the greatest resource in the world, the good news of Jesus. What have you done with it? What will he find you doing with it? 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When was the last time that you specifically gave the reason for the hope that you had in Jesus? When was the last time I gave specifically the reason for the hope that I have in Jesus? Acts 26:18, I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I am sending you to them. The word says. Well, that's the middle. I already gave you the ending. So let's act on it together. That blue card that you have in your hand, I believe is, is one way. It's an opportunity for us to not just kind of mentally think, oh, that's a good talk, God. That's great. Thank you. It's been so good to see all the blessings you've given to me. I'm going to count them and name them one by one. He says, hey. Don't bury it. Don't hoard it as if it's yours. Use it. So, here's some potential responses. At the top of that card, you see the category of giving of our money or God's money. Maybe for you today, an act of obedience is to check this. Today, I commit to start tithing with God's help. Hey, if you're here today, friend, and you've not been practicing biblical tithing, don't let Satan put all kind of condemnation on you, guilt on you. Just move in obedience. He's just calling you to move in obedience. Not in your own strength, but with God's help. There's many of you here today, an act of obedience is continued obedience. Maybe you want to check today, today I commit to continue tithing with God's help. Because of what he's entrusted to me, I trust him with everything, so I'm going to continue to tithe with God's help. I believe there's a number here, this third one. Today, God may be calling you to sacrificially give over and above your regular giving to the Grace Point Church of the Nazarene debt reduction. Friend, I need to tell you something that's exciting. Decade after decade after decade, 
this church has been a generous church. You are sitting in this building because there were people in your seats many years ago who had a vision and saw what God was doing. There are buildings around this globe because of people just like you. We were, well, not yet. We saw it first service. We're going to see it in a minute. You're going to see some actual buildings that were, were built because of gifts that you have given. There are ministries like our back-to-school bash that took place this Wednesday where we had over 500 families come through and, and people found the love of Jesus from our child care, from upwards, from our own children's ministry. It was exciting, but people are giving. And we don't believe it's evil to have a loan. We just believe that it's, it's good stewardship to pay the loan off. The bank would say amen to that. You need to know we're right on track. We're doing well. We're not in trouble in that. God has blessed us. But for the first time in our history, we are under $750,000 on that. And we believe God is calling us to act now and give. You're going to hear more in some weeks to come on how you could be a part of that. Why? So we can feel good about a debt-free zero? Well, I mean, that's nice. That's not why. It's so we can reinvest his kingdom dollars into things that even have bigger kingdom impact to do more care and share fun, to do more ministries like you heard me talk about. Next week, you're going to hear Pastor Rex talk about some things that you have enabled through this type of giving through care and share fun. It's going to, there's more of that. God may be speaking to you. You'll hear more about it. You may want to check that. There's a lot of people here today who say, Pastor Brady, preach it on giving. Because that's a strength for you. Go for it. But if we're more willing to write a check then make a connection and make a phone call and reach out. I think the Lord says, I've given you the greatest resource in the world. What are you doing with it? You can give all the money in the world, but are you a believer in me? Have you had hope in me? Have I been faithful to you? Maybe today a commitment for you is to check. Today I commit to intentionally build a relationship with at least one non-believer this year. Pastor Brady, that's judging. I don't want to judge their heart. You're not judging. To the best of your knowledge, they don't know Jesus. If you get to know them and you find out they know Jesus, then just celebrate Jesus together. You're not condescending anybody. You're just saying, I love you so much, I want to build a relationship with you. Maybe Jesus will, will, will have you check today. I commit to specifically share the gospel of Jesus with at least one person this year. Well, that's your job, Brady, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's my job because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor. If you're a Christian, it's your job to give a reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. Now, hear me, church. You don't save anybody. I don't save anybody. We just point people to Jesus. So when we share Jesus with them, we're not in control on how they respond to that or not. But would you, with God's help, say, I'm going to pray that God would show me who to share my faith with one person this year. And finally... Today, I commit to personally invite at least one person to my faith community this year with God's help. I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and come. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to do what I've prepared already and respond to the Lord. This is confidential. Your name's not going to be published anywhere. I, I just would love to see what God's doing in our midst of how many he's calling us to in these areas of obedience. And for many of us, when we sign our name, when we check these boxes, what's happening is we're saying, God, I don't want to just talk about it anymore. I want to begin to move in obedience. So in just 25 seconds, when the offering plates pass, we're not taking an offering to put money in. This is an offering to put obedience in of what God is telling us to do. So I've checked the ones that the Lord has put on my heart, and I've placed my name. 
and I want to offer it as my obedience to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today and how you have blessed us so richly. Lord, I, I want not only for myself, but for my church family, for you to find us investing your gifts well. And so, Lord, we can't do this on our own. With your help, we make our commitment to move in steps of obedience that you've put on us. Thank you, Jesus, for the nourishment, for the feeding of our souls that will come through this obedience. In your name I pray. Amen. As you place your cards in there, I want you to watch the screen on how you, a generous church, have been a part of giving just like this. Just imagine a world where pastors and missionaries have a place to live. Students have a place to study. Families have a place to receive health care. And everyone has a place to learn about Jesus Christ. You have been a part of making this dream come true for people in need all over the world. The Nazarene Missions International Alabaster Offering have raised over $100 million to fund building projects that have impacted countless lives. Certainly, a community is more than its buildings, but Alabaster Projects help empower people by providing spaces to gather, learn, and live life together as the church. These permanent structures are a reminder to the community that the church isn't leaving. Give through the Alabaster offering this year and help build a better future as God works in building projects across the globe. I'm going to ask Laura and Pastor Lane to come and share with you 